and welcome to the European One, part of the Eurotrips podcast network. We are here to discuss all things Champions League related. I am your host, Ryan, and today I'm happy to say we have a returning guest coming back to the podcast, a man who is now working for The Athletic, who is doing a whole lot of great things. And quite frankly, we at Eurotrips can honestly take most of the credit for getting him there. But the one and only... Alex Barker, a.k.a. the Euro expert, has returned. <laughs> I was waiting for your uh, for it to stop being nice. I, rem- I remember your intros. I was like, this is far too kind and cuddly for Ryan. Uh, thank you for having me back on. It's all right, mate. Like I say, he, we can't all, you know, all be as nice as, as Andrew Davis. You know, he uh, he's currently out in the United States his secret homeland after all. We all know that he's a secret American underneath it all. Um but yeah, I'm sure he'll be he'll be listening anyway. But yes, it's been a little while. We know that you're doing some very big things with the athletic. Quite frankly, I see you everywhere on Twitter. So I don't know always how to take that one. Um but yeah, I hope you're well mate anyway. And yeah, um I assume you've been watching plenty of football. Yes, I have indeed. I've been been trying to at least. It's harder to keep up with than you think, but um, yeah. Hopefully, I'll be be able to match up to you. I'm sure you will. I'm sure so. Um, so today, obviously, Champions League related. This is the European one, so we're just going to go through a few different topics, mainly all Champions League related. We will touch upon the situations at Ajax and Lyon, especially Lyon, because we all remember that you are the French league guy. So I'm sure we'll speak about the grim situation there a little bit later on. But we will just quickly say there are two Champions League games currently going on, as we do now have those two earlier kickoffs, and they are Galatasaray against Bayern. Bayern are 3-1 up. That is pretty much nearly done and Inter at home to Salzburg, and Inter are 2-1 up in that one as well. So looks like wins for Inter and Bayern, as expected. But it, it goes into the to the first sort of topic that I really wanted to discuss. And quite annoyingly, when Galatasaray were 1-1, I thought this could be a nice little topic to speak about now, but they've been beaten. So it kind of takes away a little bit, but... I wanted to ask you, Alex, to see what your opinion is on Galatasaray and whether they could potentially qualify from this group. Obviously, 
it's a group containing Manchester United, but they've had a very poor start. They've lost both games. They're bottom on zero points. And Galatasaray, they do have four points. And going into, obviously, now the third match week, what do you think Galatasaray may well do? Do you think they'll finish second? Because it looks like Bayern are going to win this group quite comfortably. Um, obviously, they've got some unbelievable players really in their team considering they're a team playing in the Turkish Super League which obviously isn't you know known as one of the big European leagues but when you look at the likes of Maro Kade you know Wilfred Zaha Tete Davinson Sanchez um, Sasha Bowie um, at right back is very very talented I've watched a little bit of him Lucas Torreira as well former Arsenal player what do you make of Galatasaray's chances? Uh I think they've in a pretty good position. I think beating Manchester United is the key one. Um, I think once you do that, you put yourself in a really strong position because now it's a case of the fact that like, the minimum they'll probably do is Europa League qualification. If, if they beat Copenhagen, then they'll go to seven. And then that means United need to get seven from there. I mean, in uh, four. And that's, you know, at the time recording, they're yet to play. Um I think it is pretty tight, but it is a nice point to touch on Turkish football because it's going through a bit of a strong patch. I mean, Galatasaray are doing well at the moment. Fenerbahce, I was talking at work today, apparently they're on an 18-game winning streak. It's like something absolutely insane. So, and they've got a ridiculous squad themselves. So like Sebastian Szymanski is my favourite coming in from Feyenoord, who could play for any club in the top five leagues, in my opinion. So... Turkish was definitely in a sweet spot. I think Galatasaray, if they beat Copenhagen and get like a point between Bayern and United, then they could go through and that'd be awesome. You mentioned that as well. I've just actually double checked on the league table in Turkey and Fenerbahce, yeah, they are nine games, nine wins, 27 points, only two points ahead of Galatasaray. Both teams have made an unbelievable start in that league as well. So that could be a really, really interesting title race this year in in Turkey, one to keep an eye on, especially for any Turkish fans. Um, Me personally, I do think Galatasaray will get second because we know that it's a notoriously difficult place to go is Galatasaray, not an easy stadium to win at. And obviously United, they've got to go there and realistically they need to win that game because they're probably not going to beat Bayern Munich. And even if they win both games against Copenhagen, which isn't, a guarantee, you know, I I still give Galatasaray the edge in getting second place, which would be obviously a massive disappointment for United, but it would be a major boost for Galatasaray and for Turkish football indeed. Um, speaking on other teams' challenges as well, Newcastle United. Now, no one really knew what to expect. Obviously, Newcastle coming into the Champions League for the first time in God knows how many years. I think it's like 20 odd years, something stupid like that. And we then all saw the group that they were given, the group of death. And, you know, they're doing really well. Obviously, the game against Milan in game week one, which was rather disappointing to watch from a neutral perspective and probably for both sets of fans as well. But the demolition job they did at St. James Park against Paris Saint-Germain I don't think many people, if any, even the diehard Newcastle fans, really saw that coming. Um, 
on their chances, obviously they play tomorrow night against Borussia Dortmund at St. James's Park again. You know, they win that. They're in a golden opportunity to qualify from that group. They'll move to seven points. Dortmund will then still be on one point at the bottom, giving them very little chance. And if PSG and Milan, if they draw, you know, or even a PSG win, it gives Newcastle a massive opportunity to get through basically to the last 16. Um, looking at their squad, obviously there's a there's a situation ongoing with, with Tenali. Um, and they don't have the greatest depth either. What chance would you give them if they did get through to the last 16? Obviously it depends on the draw, which teams they might face at certain points, but are they a team that you necessarily think could get far into the deep end in this tournament or do you think as soon as they come up against, you know, one of the real big dogs, that'll be the end of the story? Uh, I think I lean more towards the latter. I think once they come up against a, a team who's got more experience in the knockout stages and, you know, if they came up against a Manchester City, I think they'd lose. Some of like a smart coach mm-hmm. um, who'd be able to match up to Eddie Howe. Honestly, their performances in the group haven't really surprised me so much because I think Dortmund are in such a horrid place and they were going into the group stages. I think Milan personally, while they've outperformed my expectation a bit, preseason I was still quite unsure. And I think match up their squad against Newcastle, I don't think there's much in it. Um, and then PSG, while the PSG, I thought they would do a bit better. It made sense why Newcastle did so well against them because Newcastle's biggest asset is their pressing and PSG's biggest weakness is their ability to build out from pressure. So match made in heaven for them. But I think what's going... I think what goes for them is what we saw at PSG is the St. James's Park, like such a great home atmosphere. Same thing you touched on with Galatasaray. Those home fixtures in the knockout games will be out that will be able to push them an extra mile, I think. But yeah, it depends on the draw. The the later they come up against a team like Manchester City or maybe a Real Madrid or Barcelona, one of those teams, I think that's when they'll get properly wiped away. Um, but you know, looking through the rest of the groups, honestly, there's not. I don't see super many teams that could take them apart. Bayern Munich probably up there, but even then, they're not in the the best of shape at the moment. No, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll touch upon all the all the big teams and and which ones basically have the best chances in a minute. But going back to PSG, I mean, their season so far has been, in my opinion rather un- like inconsistent. Um, you know, they've, they've had a couple of good wins in the league in the last couple of performances. Obviously, you know, they, they lost to Newcastle in that time as well. But when you look at their performances this season, you know, it, I don't really know what to make of them. Obviously, they've gone through a massive uh, squad revamp. We saw Messi and Neymar and a host of other players leave a host of players have come in. So naturally it's going to take a little bit of time for those to, you know, gel together. Um, but, you know, when you look at them, obviously you look at the French league at the moment, they're a couple of points off the top. Uh, both Monaco and Nice are above them. And I don't know, obviously you'll know a lot more about this than me. You'd have watched them a lot more than me this season. What is the main issue there for PSG at the moment? And, and obviously, you wouldn't recommend them currently v 
for getting anywhere near the Champions League this season, which is obviously the ultimate goal for their ownership. Um, yeah, I think the biggest issue is kind of what I touched on with the Newcastle thing is that they're they're trying to play the style of football Lewis Enrique wants, and in some areas, uh, they're not totally suited to that. So I think in their midfield with uh Zaire Emery Agate, uh, who tend to be like the pivot or Agate is a singular pivot receiving the ball with their backs to pressure. Neither of those two are players you necessarily want in those situations. I think they lose the ball quite often or they, they're not able to play passes, um, play passes with composure. Uh, so I think that that's a big part of the issue because so many teams press higher now and that means PSG get exploited. I think going forward, once they get into the opposition third, I think they're, Great, I think one of the best teams in Europe. They're so they're so good at recycling possession. Um, but I say another thing as well is perhaps a little bit of inconsistency between uh setups. They started the season with this four three three, um, mm. that was going really well. Uh, recently they've kind of played like a back three or, or like a four four two at times. And it's I, I don't know. I think they they they'd be better off sticking to one plan and and going for it and getting all the players to buy into it. I think the more Enrique switches about, the more unstable they could potentially get. Uh, but I don't know. I wouldn't write them off for the Champions League just yet. We say that every single year. But mm. like I said, if they get once they get the ball in the opposition third in their possession, they just don't lose it. They're so good at just boring the other team off the pitch. And if they could do that to you, then I don't think there's t- too many ways you can counter that. No, that is true. I mean... You look at their their starting eleven, and it's you know very very different to what they've had in in previous seasons. Obviously, the defense is still practically the same with you know Hakimi, Marquinhos, Donnarumma. Obviously, they brought in Lucas Hernandez and Milan Skriniar um, over the summer window. But one player as well that I've seen is most likely to actually leave in January, and he only actually recently arrived was Carlos Soler. You know, they got him for practically nothing from from Valencia, one of their star players. And I, I actually thought at the start of the season, he would be quite important for Luis Enrique, you know, being the Spanish national team manager. You know, he should know him quite well. And obviously, I'm not sure if Soler came in before Enrique or after. I'm pretty sure it was before. Um, why do you think it's not quite worked out for him? Um, that's a good question. To be fair, when he arrived, he never really, he he didn't have a particularly consistent position at, um in La Liga, mm. and I think he, he suffered from that at PSG. Like I, I couldn't tell you where he would play. Like fought mob at the weekend. I'm yet to watch the highlights. They say he played right back against Strasbourg, and I'm like, I, I don't think he did, but who knows at this point? Um, it, I mean, it's worth looking. I haven't got it in front of me. I wonder if he got if he played in the World Cup or how often he played under the league here, uh, maybe he, he doesn't actually rate him that highly. Mm. Um, I've just gone straight to uh, Spain v Japan. He, he played on the bench. He went on the bench. He didn't, uh, didn't come on. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, it just seems like a guy whose career is just completely stalled. Yeah, which is a strange one because obviously he was massively rated by the Valencia fans and I believe he came up through Valencia's system and whatnot, a bit like how Jose Gaia has as well. And 
I feel like that was a move more maybe orchestrated by by his agent Jorge Mendes rather than Soler potentially trying to force that one through. That's what I can remember anyway at the time of the move happening because I think they only paid around 20 million euros for him. It might actually be a bit less than that, which I thought was you know quite a steal because he's a massively important player, a very underrated player, I thought, in, in La Liga. But I do agree there. He never really... Had a had a position, you know. Even even someone like me who plays who plays football manager a lot, you know, you see him on there and he can play midfield, he can play right wing, he can play right midfield. You just you just never really know where he was going to play anyway. So it'll be interesting to see where he does potentially go in January. Um, whether a Premier League club might try and snap him up or a return to Spain, or you know, obviously a lot of potential for for high class players like that these days. Um, in terms of Group B, now obviously a group that has more attention more than most because it does in fact have Arsenal in it, uh, who are obviously away today in Spain against Sevilla. Sevilla got a new manager now, so you know you do wonder what that might entail for them. They've drawn their last three games in La Liga, but they did put in, from what I hear, a really good performance at the weekend at home against Real Madrid. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do against Arsenal tonight. Obviously, Arsenal weren't very good at the weekend against Chelsea, but they still managed to get something out of that game. But I want to look at the other game in that group, and that is Lons against PSV. You know, Lons surprised a lot of people. Maybe not people like yourself who watch a lot of French football and know how good Lons are at home especially. But... Even I, I knew how good they were at home just from last season. But considering they lost so many big players in the summer, I still, you know, thought, you know, we'd still go there and we'd still comfortably, you know, get past them. But obviously, surprised us all. And they beat us. Obviously, at home, they got PSV tonight. What chance do you give them in the group, Alex? And do you think that they will potentially get through? Obviously, at the moment, they're top on four points. Arsenal on three, Sevilla two, PSV one. So a win at home tonight puts them again in a really, really good position. Yeah, this this group realistically should write itself. Arsenal losing to Lons, it did shock me still. Uh, Arsenal should be walking away in this group, personally. I think Lons uh, should be finishing second. Um, Sevilla, Europa League merchants should finish third. And... PSV should be finishing last on one point or maybe two. Like if Lons lose to them tonight, that'll be, I think, really bad on Lons. PSV under Petter Bosch, it just well, Petter, Petter Bosch is a horrible manager in my opinion. He has no defensive coaching. His teams push way too hard, and they always expose themselves. He never seems to learn. So I, I think Lons should be going through to the group stage at this point. I think they should expect to. And yeah, I, I, obviously, I think that group. It's written itself from minute one. It was the only um, thing we weren't sure about was if Sevilla could break their duct of being non-Europa League merchants and if Petr Bosch would change his tactics up, but neither of those things have happened. No, no, I 100% agree. I do think that's how the the group will finish. Um, just touching on another game as well, one that I've seen you've tweeted about tonight, the one you're quite excited about, and that's Benfica at home against Real Sociedad. And I can kind of see why you're excited about that because they're two teams that 
not only do they both possess some really, really exciting players, but I think it's one that you can literally just, you know, flip a coin in terms of who may win the game because they're both in relatively good form as well. Both have got four wins um, from the last five games. Um, and yeah, what what makes you so excited about this game in particular? Mainly it's Real Sociedad. I feel Real Sociedad are one of my most favourite teams in Europe at the moment. And they, they just play a really nice, attractive style of football uh, with some great players, like you said, Takakuba being one. And while I think Benfica are pretty solid, uh, I, I think Sociedad had the potential to uh, dispatch them pretty nicely tonight. And if they do, I think that lends them quite nicely in their group. They obviously they're behind Inter Milan, but then they could go to seven points. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Benfica are a fun team, but I think Real Sociedad are the main attractions for me in that group. I was going to say, looking at the group, I mean, Benfica they've lost their first two games, which puts them in a whole lot of trouble because tonight really is must win for them. If they don't, they can probably kiss any chance of a last sixteen place goodbye. They may be able to then fight for that Europa League spot with with Salzburg, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one with with Benfica because when you look at their team, their their starting eleven, they've got some exciting players. Obviously, Rafa Silva and David Neres are are both top top wingers, and even at you know defensively, Antonio Silva, uh, Nicolas Onsmenzi, obviously both at different stages of their careers, but both you know, very, very talented and uh, truly been in goal as well, I think, is a top, top goalkeeper. Obviously, they got him from Shakhtar Donetsk. So it does surprise me. But then again, I, I remember watching them a couple of years ago um, when myself, myself and Naeem travelled there and, and the, the, their starting level was, was much, much better than this. It doesn't seem like they've replaced the players that they've sold in, in the last couple of transfer windows very well. And that's probably why they're in the position that they're in. I mean, I'm not sure where they are in terms of uh, the league. Oh, well, there you go. They're in second at the moment, a point off Sporting on the top. So they're not made a bad start to to life in the Portuguese league. But I think it's an interesting one, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as well, Roger Schmidt, he's also quite a fun coach. That group is just really the, the most fun one, in, in my opinion. Like, I remember when the group stages came out, I just thought every group, nearly every group was quite boring, but, um, or like at least quite predictable. Uh, but our group F with Newcastle, PSG, Milan, Dortmund, and that one, but Inter, Sociedad, Salzburg, Benfica, they're all like B level teams, like no real giant in there. You could argue Inter, but even they got kind of ripped apart after their Champions League, um, Champions League final. Uh, final. So, so, yeah, just a really fun group, some lots of good games. 100%. I mean, Inter have had an incredible start in, in Serie A. Um, you know, they're, they're top only by a point, of obviously, after the Milan-Juventus game at the weekend, Juventus won. So, you know, we could have a, a nice little title race this year in Serie A, whereas last season we didn't. Napoli ran away with it. So, yeah, it's interesting to see with Inter in such good form as well, considering, as you say, you know, they, they, they went through a bit of a squad revamp in the summer and considering tonight, I mean, they've got Latino Martinez up front once again, alongside and Alexis Sanchez, who last season was, I mean, 
barely playing for, for Marseille and they brought him back and he actually scored tonight as well, funny enough. Um, so it does surprise me how good they've been really this season when I actually felt it would go the opposite way. But fair play to him, fair play to Inzaghi. You know, he seems to make the best of these kind of situations. Yeah, absolutely. is one of the top coaches in, in Europe. and I'll stand by that every time. Definitely. Now, we spoke about this last season, me, Andy, and, and, and Naeem, about who could possibly win it. The fact that it was quite open. Obviously, most people had Manchester City as their favourites. Looking at it this season, again, we're only into, you know, match day three, so there's still lots to be played for. You know, we know with form can go, you know, one way or the other every single week with different teams. But looking at the, the real super teams at the moment, the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona, Bayern, Man City, when you look at those, you could arguably say that they've all got fragilities at the moment. Real Madrid and Barcelona probably especially. Bayern, they made a decent start to the season, but I mean, they're not top of the Bundesliga. They're joint third at the moment, even though Harry Kane's been in fantastic form for them. They've still got a couple of little you know, problems in there in little areas of the pitch, meaning they're not the Bayern of, you know, a few years ago when they were when they were dominating. And obviously Manchester City, many people have said, will they have the same um energy this year? Obviously they did the Champions League, they did the Premier League, they did, you know, the Cup last season. So I think it's quite interesting when you think of a couple of other teams in there. And I'm going to put Arsenal in that mix as well, along with Atletico Madrid as, as two teams in particular that I personally think could go on a real run throughout this competition and potentially get to the final as well. I mean, Atletico have started the season brilliantly in La Liga. Antoine Griezmann especially has been brilliant. I've watched him in a few games and I believe he got a hat-trick again at the weekend You know, in, in world-class form. And obviously Arsenal started the season unbeaten along with Tottenham. What chances do you give to both those teams? And and if you were to pick like a favourite right now, do you feel like there's an outstanding one out of any of those big clubs? Oh, that's a good question. I would have dismissed Arsenal, but I think I guess they are still unbeaten, right, in the league at least. So they yeah. they should be they should be taken seriously. Um, Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> yes, yeah, um, I, I I'd, I'd still put Atletico Madrid over them, and I think the reason is that. I'd say they're a bit more suited to knockout football now. Like they obviously had a horror horror time in the group stage last year, but Simeone's really upped his game coaching wise. I've watched them a couple of times this season, and he's made lots of nice in-game tweaks uh, when things aren't going well to just help Atletico adapt against the opposition. And I, I think they have the blend of the fact that they can tear things apart with players like Griezmann, like you said, and Samuel Lino, left wing back, is awesome. But also they still have that old Simeone trait of if thing if the things are going well, we will just park five at the back and we will defend in a really horrible way. So Round Sauce had played them recently, couldn't get past that deep block. So I, I think if let's go are a nice dark horse, but in terms of like overall favourites, I can't I don't think anyone is near Manchester City. But Manchester City are just a world of their own and now they've won the competition. I like that fear of oh we can't win it and we can't win the competition's gone. But Bayern Munich under Tuchel, they're just 
still like way too chaotic off the pitch. Like Real Madrid again, like tactically, there's some issues there. Like they lack a, a focal point up front. I think Bellingham has obviously been amazing, but I don't think he's enough to carry to a Champions League yet in his career. And then yeah, I think you straight away like we said PSG as well, a bit inconsistent, and Barcelona very awkward in Europe in recent years. So very quickly you go from City to looking at teams like Arsenal and Atletico Madrid. And like, while I like both of those, if you put them side by side against Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, I just think it's the gap's very, very big. And I find it hard to look past them as favourites. Yeah, I mean, I agree with some aspects of that. I mean, I would um, also go back to the point of a couple of weeks ago, Arsenal did beat Manchester City. Uh, <laughs> um so I just don't think they're the same Man City of last year. You know, they lost two really key players in Mahrez and Gundogan. And I don't think those those players leaving was almost spoken about enough, especially that they were such good players for such a long period of time. You know, they brought in Jeremy Doku, who I must admit, I, I knew of him, most football manager players do. And... I didn't know what to make of it. I thought he was still a little bit raw and I didn't expect him to have the kind of impact that he's had this early on. And he does look a very, very special player. But I don't know. I just think with with De Bruyne having a few more injury problems, you know, they, they look so much worse when they didn't have um, Rodri in the team as well. And I just feel like a couple of injuries, especially to Haaland. I mean, we, we mentioned it when Haaland joined City from Dortmund, you know, when he's at Dortmund, he had so many injury problems. Since he's been at Man City, he's not really been out for any long period of time. They've been quite lucky in that in that aspect. But I do feel like at one point this season, they are going to miss him at some stage. And I don't know that although they've got goals from from Alvarez, they rely on Haaland, I think, quite heavily. And I don't know, I just don't think they're the same. I, I I felt they were a little bit fortunate last season in the Champions League as well because they could have quite easily been beaten in the final by Inter. They weren't that good in the final. Obviously, Inter had chances to win that game, Lukaku especially. And I don't know. I just don't. I don't feel like they're you know the, the mega strong contenders that a few people would suggest that they are. And again, you know, over over a two-legged tie. You can never tell, especially against um, maybe a, maybe a dark horse like Arsenal or, or Atletico Madrid, or even a bit against a fellow really really big club like a, like a Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid cause any team problems in the Champions League because the Champions League is what they do. So I don't know. I I, I feel as, feel like it's a, a lot more open than than perhaps that you think anyway. Uh, I, I would cast our minds back to this time last season where I've, I've viewed a bit of what commentary was going on this point last season about Man City and it was like they've fallen off and Arsenal can win the league like they went three game consecutive games without scoring mm-hmm. and I think and it, it just seems to be a trend now from Pep of just going insane in the first, the final half of the season and that as I think you've played out some valid points but j- just based off that that's that's the only reason why I'm backing City like, I'm I'm tired of not backing him, basically. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve and saying, yeah, they'll just do it anyway, no matter what we think. I understand your reasoning 100%. I mean, and Andy uses the exact same 
formula when he talks about um, the Premier League winners this season. And even there again, I don't think that's, you know, written on the wall. I think any one of three teams could win that this year as well. I don't know. Perhaps that's just the the optimist in me that just wants something different this this season, not just for for the Premier League, but for the Champions League as well. And, and quite often as well, it's very rare that we see back to back winners in the Champions League. I, I think is another point worth mentioning. And I think apart from Real Madrid, I can't think of too many other clubs that have done it, especially in recent times as well. Um, obviously, it's, it's it's notoriously difficult to win. You know, back to back. So I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't feel it with them this season. I don't feel like they have, they have the, the same squad depth as well to 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 go on and on. Especially as the fixtures now start to build up and build up, especially after November, after the the next international break as well. I know if if you got to think if there is a serious issue, I think they'll be the first to spot it. And we've got a January transfer window; they can make some amends in. That is true. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's a very long season and we're only a little way into it. But before we do end it, we did mention that we would quickly touch upon the situations outside of the Champions League with two very big European clubs, Ajax and Lyon. Ajax, obviously, you know, we know that they've had issues. They've lost a lot of their squad from the last couple of years and you've got their squad now. And quite frankly, it is very, very poor, but it shouldn't be that bad that they're in the relegation zone. They've just sacked their manager. Just quickly, very briefly, Alex, what are your thoughts on the situation there? And is that going to get better anytime soon or is it dependent on who they put in charge? Oh, I think I think it's a, quite dependent on who they put in charge. I think they've had two managers in a row now who haven't been the typical Ajax sort of thing. Uh, I forgot I forget his name. The last guy who was at Club Brugge last season and this season, obviously Stein. Um, Stein was like manager of Sparta Rotterdam, I think, the last season, and was more about like an underdog playing less attractive football. I just need to go back to their roots. Um, e- even if it doesn't work, just to restore sort of uh calm and at least provide the fans with the idea that hey, we're trying to do what Ajax do, which is the four three three possession based football. Like ironically, Petter Bosch would probably be pretty solid to them. I was talking about this recently the other day. Someone like Kike Setien, who's a free agent right now, I'd love to see him go there. But yeah, I think they the most worrying thing about them, besides all the issues off the pitch, like their sporting director Semerson to arriving and leaving within a few months. Most worrying thing is on the pitch. Um, the underlying numbers I expect to goals have them near the bottom of the table. Like it's not a case of oh, this is a team that's just been through woeful luck. They by the stats at least they deserve to be where they are which is very frightening well unless you're me who likes the chaos and I think I'd love nothing more than Ajax to get relegated that'd be so funny yeah I hope there's no um, hardcore Ajax fans listening to this one then because you'll be in for some hate (laughs) Uh, on Twitter just like Naeem was last week when he uh, when he put put Martin Odegaard in his most overrated starting eleven in the Premier League, which wow, the, it was a disgraceful. He also put Mikel Arteta as the most overrated manager. Um, this coming from an Arsenal fan as well. As I say, he's, he's lost faith. <laughs> yeah, he listens to Lee Gunner. What can you expect? Um, 
And then, yeah, just quickly on Leon. obviously, again, I believe that bottom of the table in the French League, and I've seen a couple of little bits and pieces regarding them. It doesn't seem like um, Ryan Cherky is having a really good time of it at the moment. I think he was subbed off at the weekend at halftime. Um, again, you'll know more than me about this. So what's the situation there and will that improve anytime soon? Oh, yeah, it's really hard to sum up very shortly. But Bar, uh, after sacking Laurent Blanc, was a really bad start to the season. After players seemingly quite openly abandoning ship, like uh, Castel de Caba. Um, and in fairness, they say they were pushed out to raise money, which is probably also true. But I think they're also quite happy to leave. That the, the atmosphere is so toxic there. They've brought in Fabio Grosso, and I was talking to a Leon fan today, uh, Alex Collins, and he's basically said, it's got even worse. Like since he arrived, he's been talking about how they're in a relegation battle. The owner, John Texas, come out and said, "Whoa, calm down. No, we're not." Uh, he immediately singled out Cherky and was like, "He's not pulling his weight. I'm going to bench him." And like publicly criticised him. And the funniest developments, uh, last yesterday, sorry, uh, it broke out in the keep that um, RMC actually that uh, he. Uh, there's some players who think he's the worst manager they've ever had and his job is already under pressure after four games. And then that was yesterday. Today, it broke that Grosso got the squad together in the morning and said, who le- who is making leaks uh, for these stories? No one owned up, so he cancelled training. Uh, it's just utter chaos there. Like a, a horrible, horrifying situation that I don't think I could, I don't think I could come up with one lightning aspect other than if they go down which is a real possibility in my opinion and they sell Cherky and Kakre then uh, at least they'll be able to make some money off them that's madness it sounds like you know some listeners may remember Dream Team back in the day on Sky One it does sound like a proper TV soap drama at the moment there (laughs) and as you say he's only four games in I didn't realise he was only there for for, for for that little time, and I I was quite surprised when they got him to be honest, because you know not not done that much in football for for a club of Leon standards as well, massive you know football and institution where they are right now is is quite scary. But again, if you're someone that that does like to see this from time to time, like to see the big teams really in a spot of bother, then it's wonderful because we're seeing it with. Quite a few teams at the moment. I think even Schalke in the second division of Germany are are doing really, really badly at the moment. So it's incredible to see. But again, we're very early into the season. So things may yet change in an instance. But that does wrap us up very nicely for the European one this week. As ever, it was an absolute pleasure to have Alex here. I'm not going to be horrible to him at the end because he's been, as ever, very insightful over this episode and yeah all the details will be on our social media the episode will be out tomorrow and yeah any last thoughts alex thank you for having me on it's it's good to be back 100 hopefully we'll have alex back as well a couple more times throughout the season uh, whether that be on here or the usual podcast with andy but either way it's been a pleasure 